Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan's football team, for the first time in 17 years, is the champion of the Big Ten. We discuss how the Wolverines throttled Iowa to earn a spot in the college football playoff and what the path to a national championship looks like. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be talking with you here Monday, early afternoon. Michigan beats Iowa 42-3 to in the Big Ten Championship. This Big Ten has gone to the current divisional format now. This is what the eighth year of it. The Big Ten East is 8-0 in these games, and it's often not particularly close. But let me take a step back first for my first question for you guys. Michigan football ranked number two in the major polls, including the college football playoff rankings. They're going to the playoff here. They're the Big Ten champs. People keep asking Jim Harbaugh and his players this. I'm going to ask you guys this. Like, at what point covering this team did you realize you were covering a playoff bound team? After they beat Ohio State, <laughs> which is probably the obvious answer. But yep. Yeah. Very fair. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think they were going to beat Ohio State. So I'm like, all right, yeah, they would make the playoff. They win their last two games, but there's, they hadn't beaten Ohio State yet under Jim Harbaugh. They hadn't really made it close since 2016. And then all of a sudden they, they dominate Ohio State. And then you kind of knew there was a good chance that they would take care of Iowa. And sure enough, they, they did in convincing fashion. And it's like, wow. like, And there wasn't much drama at all with the college football playoff. It's like, yeah, all they got to do is win, win. It could be the slimmest of margins dipped by Iowa and they're in. But, yeah, right. it's just been a, a remarkable turnaround for the Wolverines this season that I never could have envisioned at all covering them in the playoffs this year. That's It's, it's quite astonishing, really. Part of me thought the wheels were going to fall off after the loss to Michigan State. You know, they'd started 7-0, and and, you know, the, the game at Michigan State was a game that folks thought they could win. Uh, Michigan State was obviously playing good football then, too. But I was real impressed with how they rebounded from that. I mean, you win at Penn State, you win games you're supposed to win, and then obviously, you know, the aforementioned Ohio State victory. But the story, the real story of this season is just like the fact that this team is it almost seems like at almost every stop they've surprised folks, whether it was the winner at Wisconsin or going to Nebraska mm-hmm. and taking a punch and coming back and winning, going to Penn State and winning, and obviously Ohio State. But like it's been one surprise after another. And it's it's certainly you know added to I think the uh the story of the you know, quote unquote magical season. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll answer too. I mean, I, I agreed. Like, unless you thought they were going to beat Ohio state, which none of us did, um, then obviously the path to the playoff was, was, was blocked. But um, just as far as like a team capable of, of looking like a playoff type team, I mean, it really was not until they, they went to Penn state and, and beat them. You know, I know Penn state's not great this year, but you know, just the way they, they got that win late, you know, and at that point, Wisconsin was like playing better. So you started to see, okay, maybe that win was a little more impressive than you thought. But still, it's just from from where we thought they'd be at the beginning of the year. And so many people thought, and, you know, the, the Wolverines have acknowledged this, their doubters. It just is impressive. I keep thinking of that Northern Illinois coach. You know, people laughed at me when I wrote the story when he he said, this team looks like they're designed to beat Ohio State. He was right. So, yeah, here, here we stand with Michigan getting a date with Georgia um, in one semifinal matchup in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Alabama, the one seed, will play Cincinnati in the Cotton, both on New Year's Eve, December 31st, you know, with the with the winners meeting for the college football champion, national championship. But let's talk about this Michigan-Iowa game. There is a lot to unpack. It was an absolute beatdown. I mean, the first touchdown, the Blake Corum touchdown run, you got Mike Sanristil, Roman Wilson, a couple of ride receivers throwing just very impressive blocks downfield. J.J. McCarthy, who, you know, gets the ball to Corum to start the play, beats him down the field. 
to at least get in the way of, of a couple of defenders. I mean, that was that was something to start to start the scoring. That was a play that stood out to me. Like I'm watching Corm walk, like run down the sideline, and here I see JJ McCarthy like barreling down the sideline. I thought it was a receiver or something, you know. And I, I looked at the number, and it was what nine. And I'm like, yeah, like, what the heck? And then it, like it, it was crazy. I mean, it was it summed up I think this Michigan football team perfectly. Yeah. Like a team that has dominated on the ground all season long and has got contributions from guys sometimes you maybe wouldn't expect. And it's it's that team thing that I think Jim Harbaugh keeps harping on. It, it tr- they truly are, and I think it was summed up in that that touchdown run. If you're a coach, man, you had to be fired up on the sidelines seeing your quarterback, freshman quarterback, go do that early in the in, in the championship game. I mean, the future looks bright for for that young kid, and it's like, yeah, I mean, now we know why why Michigan likes to run the ball when he's in the game. He's got some serious wheels. I, I wonder how many guys he could beat in a race. After seeing that, because I, I, obviously Blake Corum is 100% right now, but man, was was JJ flying. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, the next touchdown, it's, you know, Donovan Edwards, you know, a little kind of screen pass behind the line of scrimmage, but he stops and and, and sets up and, and throws a dime <laughs> to, to Wilson for a touchdown pass. Should have been a rough in the passer call on that play. He got rocked helmet to helmet after he threw it, but he's not a quarterback, so they didn't call it. But just another example of sort of the creativity and the trickery that Michigan's offense ha- ha- has shown throughout the season and throughout the game. Wait, yeah. Was your guys' reaction when you saw that play develop? Like, what the... Oh- Oh, whoa. <laughs> that's that's exactly how my thought process went watching that. And it was a beautiful ball by by Donovan. <laughs> I mean, that, that guy's another complete player, and he's only a true freshman as well. We've seen Michigan pull out the trickery a little bit here the last few weeks for the offense. And I think part of it, at least Saturday night, was was necessary. I mean, Iowa's defense, especially the run defense between the tackles, is is considered pretty strong. So there was a clear intention from Michigan early on, at least, to try and spread de- spread Iowa out defensively, and that's kind of where they were able to get those big plays, and that's why they were able to get up early. Yeah, I mean, it was, they struck early, and I think and I think I tweeted this at that point. You know, I didn't think Iowa really had the horses to come back. You know, Michigan was up fourteen right. three, and it's like I felt like the game was over. I know it was only the first quarter, and Iowa does have you know they are a solid program and a good team, but I, I didn't think they had the capability of coming back. And clearly, we uh, we saw that in the second in the second half. Yeah, I mean, the, the game really slowed down in the second quarter. So, yeah, it's only 14-3 to three at halftime. And and Aaron, I think you're absolutely right. Now, from the flip side, Iowa just feels like we just need one play. You know, with one play and we're, we're, we're back in this thing. But it didn't happen. Iowa gets the ball to start the second half. They don't score. And then Michigan goes on a long touchdown drive to make it 21-3. to three, And it just, I think Joel Klatt said on the broadcast, he, he referenced, uh, I think, maybe the Penn State game. He referenced a different game. But, like, it reminded me of, like, the Ohio State drive too. I mean, the game, you know, to start that second half. And that's just like what Michigan has done is be able to kind of put their foot on the opponent's throat, you know, when, when need be and, and take control. And yes, from there, it was just, they ran away with it 42 to three, the final. It was dominating performance. I mean, Mi- Michigan, I don't necessarily, I don't know if they were looking for this type of game, but they got it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it really mattered much in the college football playoff committee's right. opinion, but I think it just reinforced the idea or the opinion that Michigan was by and far the best team in the Big Ten all season long. Uh, it was it was a perfect cap to what was you know an incredible Big Ten season for for Michigan in, in, the, in the conference. Michigan talk about a complete performance. Michigan dominates in special teams too. I mean Iowa you know misses the field goal to, to start the game after a decent drive. You know just horrible punt returning by by Iowa. Michigan blocks a punt. You know it's just 
This is this Michigan is, did pull a fair catch at the three yard line though too. So they had was, some interesting <laughs> decisions on their punt returns as well. I agree, but overall, I feel like they won the the net the net yardage battle there. It was uh it, it was interesting. I mean, man, I just kept thinking if you're an Iowa fan who made this trip, oh my god, what did you have? You had the first drive, okay, where you still came up with zero points when all was said and done. So the fact that my first highlight for you is is a drive that results in nothing is kind of telling here. And then you've got halftime to think about, well, we're not out of this yet. We didn't do anything and we're only down 11 points, but then man, the second half, just a complete train wreck and, and, and Michigan pulls away. I don't know. I could do what was a fan breakdown there. I, I was hearing from people who were there kind of three quarters, Michigan, two thirds. I think it was more Michigan, but it was tough to tell because you had so much yellow in the, in the sand. So it's <laughs> yeah. hard to like, you know, like decipher which is Michigan and which is Iowa. And obviously right. Michigan's a little bit more, less goldy, I guess. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I would say it was probably, if I had to guess, 60 40, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say Iowa travels well. I mean, they're one yep. of the be- better traveled teams in the Big Ten. I think in a way they're just happy to be there. Because remember, I mean, they yeah. won their final game, but like they needed Wisconsin to lose to get in and they did. So it was kind of a tiebreaker scenario. And, and I think after, after I was, you know, they had a strong start to the year, it kind of, you know, fizzled out. So I think they were just happy to be there. So the fan base, I, I don't think it's too much to complain about the game. Obviously could have been a little bit closer from their perspective, but yeah, it was, I would say 60, 40, it was, it was a good atmosphere. A lot of folks, yeah. it was, it was fun. It was celebratory. You had a lot of tailgating outside Lucas oil stadium. It certainly wasn't the vibe of Michigan, Ohio state, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it was, sure. it was a cool, it was a good venue to, to hold a game like that. And then the final drive for Michigan, I mean, we could have a, at least I could do an entire podcast on kind of what transpired there in the final few minutes. And you could start with the, the interception interception from Colasar with, with four minutes and 21 seconds left in the game. And that just starts kind of just, I mean, there, there just were some kind of fun moments. I mean, Michigan just runs the ball to the first play, but then McCarthy has a run and then they start. I mean, you know, I don't know if he's been listening to this podcast, but they start targeting the sheriff, Carter Selzer on three straight passes. You know, they target him once. It, it doesn't work out. Then he gets his catch, fifth-year senior, first career catch. Then they target him in the end zone. He draws a pass interference flag. Uh, that moves Michigan real close. They end up punching it in with, with Edwards, and Jake Moody makes the extra point to give them 42 points exactly. I mean, it's just kind of a goosebumps-type thing, given how they dedicated this game. And, Aaron, you 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 know, you heard Jim Harbaugh and players talk about this. It was not... It was not like at the end of the game, they're like, yeah, we're, we're getting into the end zone and, and making this extra point to get to 42, which is sort of serendipitous, I guess, that it worked out that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we wrote about it early in the week. They had the patch on their jersey in, in honor of, of the, the four Oxford High School students who, who died in that shooting earlier in the week. But yeah, it was it was quite a moment afterwards because we had we spoke to Jim Harbaugh, who was seated right next to Aiden Hutchinson at the press conference table. And those were two, two of the guys kind of behind the idea, behind the patch. And then they actually invited the family members of Tate Meyer, the uh, Oxford High School football player who died in the shooting, to Indianapolis. They're part of the pregame coin toss ceremony. And then, yeah, you had the 42 points who uh, that happened to actually be Tate's jersey number. So it worked out. You know, Jim said afterward that wasn't obviously the intent to get to 42. He didn't kind of realize it until it hit 42. And I guess he said he went to Aiden Hutchinson on the sidelines afterward. And he goes, hey, Aiden it's 42 up there and they kind of had a moment afterwards. So it was, it was kind of cool. It was almost a, a perfect ending to what you right. know, obviously began. A, it was a devastating week in the state of Michigan, but uh, it was, it was a good result for the, the Wolverines, obviously. Yeah. Like you said, uh, just dominating performance, like across the board and they didn't have to do anything to impress the committee. Really. Um, they were in no matter what. And, and that that's what happened. They, they win. And as Ryan alluded to at the start, 
little drama with the four teams. Now, you guys can have your own opinions. I want to hear them. I'm saying to me, there was a debate between who would be one and two and who would be three and four. You know, Michigan versus Alabama for that one, two spot and Georgia Cincinnati for that three, four spot. In the end, they go Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four. Here's the thing that I knew no matter what, you were going to have Michigan playing Georgia in the Orange Bowl because you were either going to have Michigan one and then they would have made Georgia four or you would have had what what they ended up doing because they can say all they want about a rematch that didn't factor in. But you know that it did. You know that they were avoiding that and that they had to then move the pieces to make it. Now, what they ended up spitting out was perfectly reasonable by many people, maybe the consensus. But yeah, I mean, I, I just saw I just saw only two scenarios where what happened or you know, Michigan goes to one and then you got to switch three and four, but either way, you know, Michigan ends up in the orange ball playing Georgia. So really, really what's the difference, I guess, as far as matchups. I thought where they ended up at two was really the, the average of all the potential outcomes, in my opinion, where Michigan could have ended up. I think one or two is probably, were probably the most likely, um, but it wouldn't have shocked me either. I think I wrote this at some point over the weekend that it wouldn't shock me if Michigan had dropped to three, depending on how the committee viewed Georgia. So it was Which also I, would have been Georgia, Michigan. I mean, the, right, the, right, yeah. right, right. So it, it didn't surprise me where they ended up to, you know, if you compare the head to head, you know, resumes of, of Michigan, Alabama, I, I think if depending on the metric, you're obviously looking at Alabama has a slightly better strength of schedule you know, the, the, in terms of statistics, offensive, defensively, Alabama tends to edge Michigan out. So I, I think that that's a big factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, I don't think that it really mattered because Michigan ends up playing Georgia probably anyway. I'm not sure how the matchup fares for them head to head, but either way they're in. I mean, after what transpired Saturday, Saturday night, like you said earlier, the 14, we knew the 14 was just a matter of the order. It, it is what it is. As Jim Harbaugh said uh, on Sunday, you know, they, it, as long as you're in, it, it doesn't really matter. As far as the, the Alabama Georgia rematch, I don't think it really matters because if they both win, they're going to, they're going to play each other the national championship sure. anyway. So it's like, if you're a committee member, I, I I don't know. Like I I wouldn't that wouldn't be a big thing in my mind. It's like to me, you should rank the top four teams where you think they deserve to be best. If they have a rematch, so be it. But that's just the nature of the beast nowadays with, with the playoff committee. And I think that's it's certainly a good argument for expansion at some point. But that's a podcast down the road. But either way, Michigan's in. They have Georgia uh, December thirty first, and uh, they're one game away from playing for national championship, which is. Pretty wild to think about, especially if you go back and listen to some of our podcasts before the season. I don't think many of us were high on you know the potential of this team. I think we all had seven and five, right? We did. And I listen, did. I went back. I just wrote about this because I wrote about Michigan being you know the Cinderella of this field because they're the first team ever to go from unranked in the top twenty-five eight people in the preseason to the playoff, and that's why I say that. And I so I'm looking back at CBS and and Fox and the Athletic and ESPN. No one had Michigan in this thing. I mean, many didn't have Cincinnati in there, but they were mentioned, you know, as a possibility. And I saw at least a couple that did, that did predict they'd get there. You know, they started the season in the preseason top 10. You know, there, there was a hype around that team. Michigan, there was not. I mean, they were listed for all the wrong reasons, most overrated and, you know, near the bottom half of the Big Ten East, potentially. Um, Like there were, you know, we all know what they did last year. So that's what makes this such a, such a surprise. Now, on our podcast last week, we did talk about the possibility of having this favorable matchup with Cincinnati. That was, of course, if Georgia took care of business, beat Alabama, stayed at one, then you could see that Michigan-Cincinnati matchup in the 2-3 game. It's not how it happens, So now you got to play Georgia. And I, I think Harbaugh said this. You don't have to beat all three of the other teams. You, you only have to beat two of them, but you've got to beat 
then two of those teams, no matter what, like if you want to win a national championship. So it's either, it's either Georgia now, or it's, you know, them potentially in the, in the national championship. So I don't know. And I, to me, there's just not such a huge difference between getting this playoff win or, or not. I mean, at this point, it's kind of, you're either the champion or not. Right. I mean, every win is a little notch in your belt, but to me, let's do this now. Michigan's a nine point underdog, but I think that's, that's a little too high in my mind. After the game Saturday night, we were all kind of waiting for the, the post-game celebration to end and the players and, and Jim Harbaugh coming in for the post-game press conference. And you could hear the post-game media room was literally situated right next to the Michigan locker room. You could hear the, the yelling and the jubilation and everything else, but you could also hear, and I think I wrote this, chance of six and six, like the players knew. And Aiden, when Aiden Hutchinson came out to talk to us, he made a point of saying, yeah, I saw some of your predictions before the season started. And he mentioned some six and sixes. Now I looked at, I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't think anyone at M Live had that. Maybe some <laughs> other Sir, it was seven and five. five. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they made a point of like maybe not being of the year, like take like using that as motivation because I think they were still trying to figure out how good of a team they were. Mm-hmm. But as the season goes on and you tack on these wins and you you know, you beat Wisconsin and you beat Penn State and you position yourself to get in the Big Ten Championship, you start to look back and, and you obviously use all that as fuel. You know, they mentioned too in the post game the two percent statistic, uh, which I don't I still don't know where they got that from, but they they said that before the season even began, they were given a two percent chance of winning the Big Ten championship. That sounds about right, I guess, but they've clearly used that as motivation the last couple of weeks and it's it's certainly paid off. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was quite the Cinderella story, like Andrew wrote. But is it really? Are, is this mission really a nine point underdog somewhere right now, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I, look, wow. I looked right before we got on the pod. It was wow. You know, right. on, I thought on, it would go the other direction, but I guess on not. Fanduel, yeah, and you know, Alabama is an even bigger favorite than the other one, but I think that's like thirteen or something, um, fourteen maybe, um, which I think maybe is a little too small. But you know, that's just my opinion. I we're gonna break down that Michigan Georgia matchup from all angles because uh, we got twenty five days to do it. So I, we're not gonna get into it too much. We want to give the Iowa game its due, but I don't know anything you just want you guys want to share quickly on Georgia. They're obviously. They ran the table in the regular season, but you know, their, their Mount Everest, their Ohio state is Alabama and they could not, they cannot get it done. And they were actually pretty thoroughly dominated in that game. Maybe, you know, exposing some things that create some hope for Michigan. I think it's, it's going to be the best defense Michigan's faced all season, but it'll be a lot of the best Georgia's faced all season too. I, I think specifically in with regards to Michigan's run game. So it'll be, it, sh- it should be an interesting matchup. I get why Georgia is favored, but, I don't think this is some like uh, insurmountable obstacle here for Michigan. No, my takeaway is they should probably put JT Daniels back in at quarterback and not Stetson Bennett, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on that, but I will say <laughs> Georgia's run defense is good. I mean, we've seen Michigan run the ball relatively well against other strong run defenses. I go back to Wisconsin, so like. It's going to be a test for Michigan. They're going to have their hands full. They're probably going to have to throw the ball a little bit more than they're used to. And but and I've been saying this all season long. I think this team is just better and, and more well equipped to handle some of these bigger these bigger programs, these bigger tests. A couple of years ago, we saw Michigan play Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. Didn't mm-hmm. end particularly. They hung in there for about a half, but it didn't end particularly well. And and I don't know if Michigan's talent level is where it was a couple of years ago. They had a lot of NFL guys on that team. They were they had a you know arguably a, maybe a better offense. But I just think defensively and from a game plan, X's and O's perspective, this staff seems to have it together. So I, it would not surprise me if this game ends up close and that maybe that nine and a half spread is too big. 
but it doesn't surprise me that Georgia is you know, the, the big favorite at this point, given the season they had and everything else. So it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting matchup. A lot of uh, external storylines, a lot of things to pay attention to. We're going to have a, probably a special guest or two in the weeks leading up to the game to talk Georgia. But yeah, it's it's going to be fun uh, next next three weeks or so. You mentioned big programs and, and, and whatnot. Big teams, too. I mean, you look at Georgia on every every both sides of the ball, especially in the trenches. They are massive. I mean, that's that's watching that, that SEC championship. I'm like, man, there's some big guys, big athletic guys on, on both of these teams. So uh, I'm sure Michigan won't have the size advantage on uh, New Year's Eve. But I mean, again, we'll, we'll see. Uh, obviously, I'll get dive into a story later on about recruiting rankings, but Georgia's recruited really well over these past under Kirby Smart. So, I mean, they're going to have more stars out there when, when the two teams take the field. But again, it's, it's not the stars that win games. So we'll, Michigan will, will have to uh, play pretty darn good to, to win against this SEC powerhouse. As it should be this come playoff time. All right, let, let's wrap up with just some talk of other sports. You know, I, I spent a good chunk of the weekend at, at Chrysler Center Saturday. I saw saw the men bounce back with a 72-58 win over San Diego State. You know, the, the story of that game, I, I think I, I wrote about it today, is Frankie Collins, you know, freshman point guard. Talked about how Musa Diabate came into the starting lineup earlier in the week and whether, you know, Jawan would make, make a move at point guard too. He, he didn't, but... You know, this was the first game that Collins played more minutes, 24, than the start of Devontae Jones, who only played 17, you know, despite Jones not really being in foul trouble, though he still finished with with three because he has to get three, at least three every game. So, you know, Collins played really well. The offense looks better with him out there. It'll be interesting to see if Juwan makes makes the move there. But, you know, this was an important bounce back game. The, the AP poll came out. Today's AP poll, Michigan is out of it. The net rankings from the NCAA, which is used by the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, Michigan is 63rd in the country, which seems about right for, for how they've played. But they'll have plenty of opportunities to move up because they'll be playing the, the number one team in this thing is, is also a Big Ten team. Purdue and Michigan State and uh, Iowa, you know, are, are high up there. Wisconsin, so Ohio State. Like, there, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for, for good wins for Michigan. But they they do open Big Ten play Tuesday night uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's their team ranked even lower in, in the net ranking. So with them in Minnesota to start Big Ten, I think it's perfect. It's perfect for Michigan to get right before the new year. Nebraska, Minnesota, you know, then home games with Southern Utah and Purdue, Fort Wayne. You know, then you go to UCF at the end of the year. That could be a little tricky and, and a road game to Rutgers. But kind of before you get into the real meat of Big Ten schedule, and get a chance to get things right. And that, that started on Saturday. You know, the, the women's team, I was back there on Sunday to take them in. They absolutely dominated Akron. It was 25 to four uh, after the first quarter. Um, and they win 93 54. I don't know what much can you learn from Akron? Probably not too much. Let me take you back to last Thursday when they did have a big game on the road against number 10 Louisville. They fell flat 70 to 48. They just really couldn't handle Louisville's pressure. Um, and when they did break it, they they missed some some easy shots. It's just that's a tough environment. And when you're still without your senior point guard and Amy Dilk, um, you know who's who's on the bench and you know looking like she's getting closer and closer to return. That that's a tough game though without her, and it it, it kind of showed. So Michigan fell flat in their biggest non conference test of the season. But just like the men, they'll get plenty of chances. You know, come Big Ten play. You know, Iowa and Indiana and. Maryland, uh, you know, these teams are all pretty highly ranked. They'll get a chance. And, you know, unlike the men who are defending their Big Ten title, the women are looking to, you know, claim the first one, you know, for for the women. Like they went to the Sweet 16, 
like their next step they feel like is just doing doing better and finishing higher in the Big Ten. So did they fall at all in the in the AP poll? Uh, it doesn't come out till usually like two o'clock today. Yeah. So I haven't seen it yet. You'd think they would. I I didn't see exactly how all the other teams around them did, but you know, sitting at 12 and you get blown out. I mean, it's on the road at 10. So we'll, we'll Mm -hmm. see how, how they end up, how that shakes out. But yeah, they open big 10 play, uh, Thursday, same thing as the men. They get two, two little big 10 games here early in December before closing out their non-conference slate and then starting the big 10 more in earnest uh, at the end of the month, start of the year. So that's, that's my report from the basketball teams. You got any hockey or any other sports to, to chime in with before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, talk about the hockey team here real quick. And obviously a, a huge series against Minnesota at home on Friday and Saturday did not cover the, the Friday game at home because I was getting over, still getting over the flu, but watched it on TV and they looked horrendous. I fell behind three, nothing in the first period. Ended up losing five to one. That's probably the worst I've seen them play all year. Minnesota looked like the much better team, but Michigan bounced back on Saturday. Obviously, people were probably tied up with the with the football game. Saw that they won six to a, six to two. So nice little split against a, a really talented Gophers team. I mean, probably the most two t- talent wise talented teams in the country. Minnesota has fifteen NHL draft picks. Michigan 12, I'm pretty sure, obviously highlighted by the seven first rounders. So I'm sure there was a lot of NHL scouts there, but really it wasn't the draft picks on, on Saturday that that did much of the, the story. I mean, it was Michael Passajov, uh, the senior who had a hat trick. Jake Heronen had, had a goal. Nolan Moyle had a goal. Mark Stop had a goal. So none of these guys with their high profile draft picks, but um, you, you need some your secondary guys to step up. And it looks like that's what they did on Saturday to, to get the split. Sounds good. Listen, we'll bring you everything you need to know about this game in this podcast form and on mlive.com slash Wolverines. So thank you for listening. Thank you.